1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and onwards read like this. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, so you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Peter is presenting to us almost, it would seem, a commentary on Daniel and the key verse that we've been looking at. And certainly, to my mind, he is giving us a perfect application of the book of Daniel to us as new covenant believers. If you've been following the series, you will know that I've focused on the book of Daniel, chapter 11 and verse 32, which reads, He shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Fourth message in the series, I began with looking how we could thrive in exile. In our passage, Peter reminds us that we are living in some kind of exile or something equivalent. We are strangers and exiles here. We live in an alien and hostile environment on this present earth at this time. That's not the end of the story because the world was created by God and therefore is God's world. Redeemed by Christ, therefore it is Christ's world. And we shall inherit it, therefore it's our world. We are going nowhere, even if now we're living in an alien and hostile environment. God wants us to thrive and be fruitful. And the three aspects of this is knowing God, standing firm and taking action. We spend time on what it means to know God. 
unlike the collaborators that Daniel was prophesying about when terrible times came upon the nation of Judah after the exile, Antiochus Epiphanes conducted himself disgracefully polluting the temple of God. And those who know their God were those who refused to collaborate but were part of the resistance, staying firm and faithful to their covenant, their covenant with God. And us as New Testament believers also have a covenant signed and sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ and we must remain faithful, full of faith, standing firm. And if we do that, we'll be in a place to take action, to be part of the resistance, to stand up and be counted and do the things that we know should be done and God enables us to do it. So we're talking about taking action. When I was first an ordained minister in the Elam Pentecostal denomination, I knew nothing about church management, people management, project management, or administration. But I began to educate myself. My first step was to go to W.H. Smith and buy, buy uh, red uh, files, fool's cap files, that you could fold over. And I proudly marked about 10 of these, each of them in capital letters, action underlined. Action underlined. And I felt ever so proud of myself when paperwork came in, and in those days it was all paper, put it into my action file, and when it was full, I'd go to the next one. So I have a whole array of action files thinking that somehow I'd accomplished something. Well, we know an action file or an action list is of no value unless you do it, unless you prioritize that list and, and take action and schedule time according to the priorities to tick those action points off the list and actually do it. A thing is not done just when you have intended it, listed it, recorded it, scheduled it, made notes on it, preached on it, watched videos about it, attended conference about it, prayed about it or talked about it. And action only gets done when you do it. Now whatever else Christianity is, it's a call to action. What we know, we do. What God has revealed to us, we obey. The example of Christ, we follow. There is no other way. But we all recognize that there is sometimes a huge chasm between knowing and doing. God is calling us to cross that chasm and to discover what he wants us to do how he wants us to behave and actually to do it, especially in these challenging times. Daniel was a good example for his own generation. Daniel chapters 1 through 6 is talking about Daniel and his friends in exile in Babylon and they stood firm, they kept the covenant and they took action and God blessed them. And I believe that that was an example for the later prophetic generation that Daniel speaks about way ahead of his time and indeed right up until our present time. 
Daniel and his friends stood firm. They were called into the royal college that they might be trained as servants of the king Nebuchadnezzar and the other kings that followed. And the first thing was they were obliged to eat the food, the choice food that was presented before them. And the boys looked at this food and said, "Uh, uh, we're not allowed to eat that because Moses said we shouldn't eat this, we shouldn't eat that. It was in the old days of the old covenant when dietary laws were in operation uh, which are educational for us today, but we don't have to follow them. In fact, um, on, on the menu today, I, I see there is pork, so that is very anti-Levitical. Now, I'm prepared to be anti-Levitical when it comes to pork, but uh, a whole lot of other things, I am very happy to be Levitical. When it comes to crustaceans, creepy crawlies, everything with legs multiplied by two, I believe Moses, and I wouldn't touch them with a barge pole. But those boys said, no, 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 we are going to just eat simple food and vegetables, even avoiding meat that was sacrificed to idols. And God honored them. They stood up and they were counted. Later on, Nebuchadnezzar built a great image to himself, a massive image, and everybody was legally obliged on pain of death to bow down to it. And Daniel and his three friends said, no way, Jose or whatever the equivalent Babylonian expression was, we will not bow down. Well, you will die. God will rescue us. But if he does not, let everybody know, we will not bow down. We need that same spirit today. You know, the story, they were thrown into a fiery furnace and and it was an angel of the Lord, maybe even a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus himself, rescued them. But the story goes on. The next king arose. Now uh, uh, Babylon has been and gone and the law of the Medes and Persians was in operation. Daniel was very unpopular. Still, they were trying to get him and they said, we can't get him. His life is so full of integrity. He doesn't make one mistake. There's no way that we can bring him to condemnation on his behavior. But he is a worshiper of Yahweh, of the God of Israel. Let's deal with that. So they surreptitiously and manipulatively brought in a law that for a period of time, nobody should pray to any other God other than the God of that nation. And Daniel said, really? And he opened his window and continued to pray, this time louder than before, hands up to heaven so everybody could see. So they said, we got him. And therefore he was arrested and condemned. And even the king, who was in sympathy with Daniel, could do nothing because the law of the Medes and Persians could not be altered. So Daniel was condemned to death in the den, the pit of lions. And Daniel trusted God and something happened. Those lions had toothache, tummy ache, or somehow they lost their appetite and Daniel was preserved. He stood firm, he took action, and God was with him. Now, Daniel 11.32 is prophesying about a particular historical event that took place. I encourage you Uh, I keep the history to the minimum when I'm preaching here. Get a good study Bible and you will find many times a verse becomes clearer when you understand its historical context. Antiochus Epiphanes was a Seleucid king, 
pushing the agenda of Greece and tried to force the people of God in Judah. By now, they had been returned to the land of Judah to maintain Greek practices and worship Greek idols. He even entered the temple of God and polluted it with pig's blood and caused the people to sacrifice pig's blood to Zeus, the false god of the Greeks. But there came a day when Matthias, the high priest, said, enough's enough. And when the Greek official came to enforce the worship of false Greek gods, he said, no. And along came a collaborator. It was a Hellenized Jew, meaning a Jew that was not faithful to the covenant, but prepared to go with the Greek flow. And he said, I will do it. So Matthias took his sword and killed him. And then when the official objected, killed him too. He fled into hiding. He died a year later, but his son Judas, who was known Maccabeus, the hammer, he took over and there was a Jewish revolt, the Maccabean revolt, which brought in the Hasmonean kingdom, a hundred years or more of almost semi-independent Jewish rule and they allowed them to worship as their hearts desired. That lasted right up until the time of the Herods, which brings us into the, into the uh, New Testament period. And do you know that during that time, because of guerrilla warfare and violence and, and a whole a lot of kind of stuff that we as believers would never get involved in because our weapons are not carnal. Our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Jesus said, my kingdom is not from this world, otherwise my followers would fight. We are involved in a spiritual battle. We belong to a new covenant. The kingdom of God is the rule of God in our hearts for all nations. It is not about setting up a political party to bring in the kingdom of God. It's not about fighting wars. No bombs or bullets can bust the principalities and powers, but only the name of Jesus who has defeated them. It's a spiritual warfare. But the point is this. In that day, 165 and onwards, BC, the people of God stood firm and took action. Now we need action today. I'm calling you to be part of the resistance, not the collaboration. And we are being encouraged and indeed increasingly forced and named and shamed and cajoled and reduced to the margins of society unless we bow the knee to the opinions of this age, which in many cases are totally against the principles of the word of God. And like Daniel and his friends say, we will not bow down. We'll continue to worship God. But, and we will be part, not just of the resistance, but a revolution. I'm preaching revolution today. How many revolutionaries are we? The revolution I'm preaching is a revolution of love. That's the revolution. Love is the purest and most potent force for revolution in our nation. The love of God, the love of Jesus, caring for those 
who are disenfranchised, caring for those who are marginalized, caring for those who are headlong in a dangerous path, loving them by speaking the truth to them and calling our nation back to its roots and not just back to its Christian roots socially, but calling this nation back to the gospel roots so the nation can be saved in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. So it's a, a, a time for action, urgent, critical action. Think about a few examples of where we would never delay in action. A medical emergency. Now you may not be qualified to do what I'm about to say, but just to give you an example, now Amanda was, and I suppose still is, qualified to do this. She came across a man in, with an emergency, he'd stopped breathing, and the only way to save his life was to perform an emergency tracheostomy, if I recall correctly, by the roadside. She's nodding. A tracheostomy. So a person can't breathe normally, and the only way is to pierce the trachea at a certain point, which is the safest place to do it, and so the air can escape and find a tube. If you don't have a catheter, use a pen. I'm not telling you how to do this. I'm just saying, you know, do a first aid course at the very least. But she did it and she saved that man's life. If she had stood by and said, oh, I'll pray for you, or just stood by and said, I'm too scared to do this, he would have died. Well, God could have raised him from the dead, but let's go the easy route. Uh, and she intervened medically to save his life. At the moment, our Elam denomination is being blessed by a group of men who are part of the Audit and Governance Committee, newly founded, and they are trying to instill into church leaders some of the basic principles of financial management and church management. And I hear this dear brother Kojo, he is a big guy, six foot ten, I think, and he's Ghanaian, and you would never mess with Kojo. He has a voice as deep as Goliath. Uh, well, that's an unfortunate reference, but he is, and, and he says, businesses fail for cash. Make sure you take care of your cash flow. Take care of your cash flow, and business will flow after that. And he fills us with fear and trembling. You and your business you, ought, you know too that maybe there is a, an emergency, you've got to take urgent action, maybe it is dealing with that cash flow that has gone right off the, off the scale. Emergency, urgent action. And I believe in the kingdom of God. There is emergency action required. The 2020s are not going to be easy. They're going to be glorious and we can change things by praying and seeking God. Who knows what God wants to do? I know that on one hand, it's going to get tougher. It's going to get harder. But when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And God has a more than equivalent move of his spirit stored up for us if we go for it. And if we stand firm and we don't give in, don't collaborate, stand in, in resistance and also seek his face. Knowing and doing. It's everywhere in the Bible. Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. 
Paul says, yes, you are saved by faith. It's the grace of God at work in you apart from works, but you are saved for good works that God wants you to walk in once you have been saved, knowing and doing. And Peter, as we read, says, prepare your minds for action. Now, what does that entail? A lot of it has to do with what we called in old-fashioned language, separation, holiness. Be holy, for I am holy. I've been to holiness conferences, and I remember one in 1987. I was still very, very young, and uh, I, I, I preached at this convention in Malaysia. Be holy, for I am holy. And we had lots of sessions, and God broke in in a splendid way. I saw the release of Power Ministries during that conference. Then afterwards, the Malaysians, they love a good party, and they love mimicking, they love doing impressions, and apparently they, after this, when it's all done and everybody's having a good time, there's a party, and they get up and do impressions of one another. And somebody did an impression of me. And I thought it was hilarious. Apparently, every time I quoted that verse, I did it this way. Be holy, for I am holy. <laughs> It's not about that. God says, be holy for he is holy. Separate yourselves from the things that displease God. It's winter time. It looks very much like springtime for us in London, and who knows if any cold snaps are going to come. But in different parts of the nation, the gritters are out. The gritters. They take salt mixed with sand and spread it on the roads, and because of the chemical properties of salt, it melts the ice, and the, the grit there on the ground gives a firm traction. Very useful. But there is an illustration in Scripture that says, if you don't stay pure, you will be like salt that has lost its flavor. Now, sodium chloride never loses its chemical properties, just like your faith can never be polluted. But when you mix your faith with pollutants, then it's good for nothing. And Jesus said, good for nothing but to be thrown on the ground and trampled under. It was just used no more for domestic purposes, but just thrown onto the road. And the best use could be, it would be just something for people to walk on, just like the grit is there for us to ride on. So that's why Jesus says, be salt and light and remain in that state. Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That they may see your good works. This is about demonstrating to others that our faith is real by what we do. You don't have to demonstrate that to God. He knows your faith is real. But how we live reflects our faith in practical ways to others. It's not just to prove a point. It's to be practical, 
to be useful, to be fruitful, to be active in our homes and communities, even to the point of activism. I'm going to call some of you to activism and all of us to action. What is activism? It's the use of direct action to achieve an end, either for or against an issue. For example, when people tie themselves to trees to protect forests from being cut down, that's activism. When Extinction Rebellion people stick themselves with superglue to your railway carriage that you can't go anywhere, that's activism. Now you may criticize them, I don't know. Maybe you think they are champions, but personally I believe that they're pretty brave. They believe that we're in an unprecedented global climate emergency. And the government has failed to protect us, to survive. It's going to take something, going to take action. Activism. There are many areas where Christians ought to be involved in activism, especially when it comes to preserving the heritage of the gospel and the freedoms in this nation to proclaim it and to live it. But yes, we have in this church a 2020 call to action. Three years ago, we met together over a period of time in our leadership meetings, and we began to share with one another some of the things that we felt prophetically were coming into the 2020s. I've covered that elsewhere. You can check online. We'll talk a little bit more about it if you wish. But the 2020s is going to be a stepping up on pressure. There's going to be more pressure for us to back down than ever before. There'll be more temptation to become a collaborator rather than a resistor than ever before. But we must stand strong and rise up to the challenge. And so we prepared a four-year targeted program of, of how we could be ready for the challenges of the 2020s. And they are here. Already it's the second month. It's amazing, isn't it? And what were these challenges? What are they today? To grow spiritually, to grow numerically, and to grow in our influence. Very important. When we look about the importance, look, look to the importance of growing spiritually, you cannot overestimate it. You cannot overemphasize it. Because it's our spiritual growth that gives birth to everything else. If you are not strong spiritually, you will not be part of the resistance. You will cave in rather than stand up. And so if you are growing spiritually, the fruit of your life will be endearing. The overflow of your life will be persuasive. If you are growing spiritually and walking in love, that's why it's a revolution of love, walking in love, what will happen? You will be an influence a great influence in your workplace, even if you never become an activist, like this wonderful young teenager, Greta Thunberg. Whatever you might think about her, 15 years of age, what did she do? She said the climate change, which is predicated upon the belief that it's man-made climate change, uh, and so she just refused to go to school, sat outside the Swedish parliament, calling for stronger action, and calling school children to strike. Well, it happened. It rippled. And in 2019, there were at least two coordinated multi-city global protests in which over a million students each 
participated. Wow. God give us the ability to become effective in our actions and our activism. So if everything else depends on our spiritual health, how can we enhance it? I'm simply saying, draw closer to God than you've ever been. Learn to delight in your relationship with the Lord. Go back to basics. Read your Bible. Pray. Don't neglect the place of fellowship in the Sunday services, in the weekly cell meetings, and be there to encourage one another in their spiritual life. I need to be encouraged all the time. I've learned, I don't, I'm not always that good at it, but I have learned, if necessary, to encourage myself and to do that in God. And I've learned to do that. I've learned to be encouraged by my brothers and sisters who love God. I've learned to encourage my brothers and sisters to grow spiritually. Back to basics, very simple. Time with God. Time with your family. Time with yourself. Back to basics. Learn also to avoid the barrenness of busyness. What is that? Just doing things for the sake of doing things. Sometimes the busiest people are the most fruitless people because they busy themselves with everything, but it's not targeted. It's not rooted in God. It's not rooted in waiting on God. They haven't had a word from God. They just hide from him by being busy. But when you know what God is saying to you and you are waiting on him and you are looking at the scriptures and you are learning the scriptures. You get that study Bible out and take the scriptures seriously. Then God can speak to you. Practicing the presence of God. Well, there's a whole lot on that, but let me give you one example, something that I learned. Years and years ago, when I was very young, about 20 years and 40 pounds ago, I used to be a dancer. And it was a difficult lifestyle. You're always on the road, far away from Christian fellowship. Thank God there were more believers around me at the end of that time than before because God helped me lead many of them to the Lord. But every day when you're exhausted, you've got a performance in the nighttime and you start with your morning class, God showed me a way of practicing his presence. And you will find a way where you are, whatever your discipline or domain is. And here, here it was. Everything was in French because the ballet terminology came out of the court of Louis XIV and so forth. And, and we did all our exercises following a basic outline which we called en croix, in the form of a cross. Forward, sideways, backward. Forward, sideways, backward. So Ev, oh, I was about to demonstrate it, but <laughs> I think my enthusiasm went beyond my physical ability. And so every day as we began those exercises en croix, I began to center myself in the cross and in Christ, knowing I was doing it all 
for him. Practicing the presence of God. Find your way. Living in the stillness. Before activity, stillness. Growing spiritually, growing numerically. Reproduce yourself this year. Have a spiritual son, a spiritual daughter. Lead somebody to Christ in your workplace. Now you've been working in this direction for a long time. I was with somebody last week, it reminded me, took eight years for my great influence upon him before he came to Christ. Eight years. And to listen to him ministering back to me, words of scripture, I thought, wow, so different from all those years ago. Lead somebody to Christ. Not just on the street, do that, but bring them into the church, bring them into the life of your cell so that your cell can grow and that every cell could multiply. I want the cells to double this year. We've been working on this for years. Something is happening. Now is the time for action. Accept responsibility. Every one of you, accept responsibility for the life and growth of your church within which you share the vision that God has given you as part of this community. Bring people to the services. Make sure that they have an opportunity, not only to hear the gospel from your lips and from your life, but they may meet other believers and find that the gospel is real. And then, growing in influence. This is so important. Influencing for Christ where you are. Stand up, speak out. Don't back down. Be convinced about this. You can't placate a tyrant. I'm not saying your boss is a tyrant or your husband is. If that's true, work it out with God. Don't, don't quote me. But the spiritual forces that try to overwhelm us, they are tyrannical. They are here to destroy. They're here to overthrow. They're here to eradicate the church. Uh, but Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell and death shall not prevail against it. I can have a strong amen in the house of God. We rise up with courage and we allow our light to shine, not hidden behind closed doors like a light under a bowl, but as a city set on a hill, growing in influence, standing up, standing out, speaking out, even if it costs you. Remember, however, this should only come from a place of love and your own personal example. That's what speaks louder than words. Everybody should become active. Some of us could become activists. What are the gospel issues where we could become radical in our activism? To stand up against radical political Islam. How atheism grips our schools and our institutions. New age practices that take advantage of people's spiritual thirst but don't point them to Christ. Humanist and other ideas coming into our education system, especially sex education, medical ethics, employment rights, including our, employment, our rights and freedom to be Christians in the workplace. 
Multiculturalism that doesn't allow the distinctiveness of Christian heritage in a tolerant way to be upheld in society. Religious pluralism that says all religions are basically the same, so not one religion can in any way rise in terms of its believability above anybody else. Care for the elderly. Somehow that ministers to me. Care for the elderly. Oh, okay, you don't believe I'm old. That's fine. That's great. The loneliness amongst the old and the young. Mental health. Who's going to speak up on behalf of the generation of young people? Thousands of them taking their lives every year because there is nobody there to be with them. Can we not do something? Those are just a few things. That's just me, you know, off the top of my head writing some things down. What about you? What is God saying to you? Now you say, well, I don't know. It's all a little overwhelming. Can I lovingly say to you, don't be overwhelmed. If you're in doubt, you can't go wrong by showing sometimes little acts of kindness, love, tolerance, and inclusion. Find somebody who is the opposite of you, the kind of person that you would, you would, you would say, look, it's so against this Bible. What am I going to do? Do I take the Bible and hit them over the head? Are they going to, are they going to, you, you'll find yourself in trouble. But metaphorically or physically, stretch out the arms of love that represents the love of Christ. Reach them, cling on to them and love them. Love them to the point of knowing how to communicate with them the truth about their lifestyle at the right time, in the right way. Don't forget that today because of generations of Christian ignorance, biblical ignorance. When we meet somebody, usually they're way here on the scale, zero. And you need to talk to them to the point where they begin to understand that there is a supernatural realm. Talk to them to the point of understanding that the best belief possible is that there is one God who created all things, uh, who he loves us, and despite the fact that we have fallen from him, he is searching us and sent Christ to die for us and take them right the way through knowing where people are, discerning what the Spirit is doing in their lives. I believe that when we pray, we can trust that God is working in the hearts sometimes of our most vocal critics out there in your family, your extended family, in your workplace. And if you are not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, if you repay evil with good, and pray for those who despitefully use you. Forgive them. You will be surprised at the power of the kingdom of God that will flow through your life. So it is not about becoming a media sensation 
with a global move which can be attributed to your personal efforts. God grant that some of us rise to that, but every one of us need to take James's advice. I will show you my faith by what I do. Peter's advice. If you call on him as father, who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. Radical exiles who fear God. Let's deal with this word fear. There is a wrong kind of fear. A fear that is based in the negativity, insecurity, or wrong understanding of the nature of God. The Bible says, perfect love has cast out that fear, that tormenting fear of resting under judgment. You can be released from that immediately by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there is a fear that continues. What does this fear mean? The Bible speaks so beautifully. The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is pure. What is the fear of the Lord? It's that holy regard for who God is that you respect him and honor him in every part of your life. That definition is very close to my definition of love. Fear and love here are compatible. When we truly love God for who he is, we respect him and want to please him in every part of our lives. The gratitude that comes into our lives, knowing that he has saved us by grace, is never repaid. But the, the natural response to that love is to love him. And whatever we do, we do it with all our might. And whatever we do, we do it to his glory. We have a holy, loving respect of him in every part of our life. And we work it out bit by bit. There is often not some instantaneous, miraculous transformation. Sometimes that happens. But often, the change that has happened to us on the inside is so radical that it must be worked out step by step. This is a call to action in 2020 and the 2020s. Grow in your relationship with God. Grow yourselves and church numerically by winning people to Christ. And grow in your influence out there, in your home, in your community, in your workplace, in your place of recreation, in your place of employment. Shine for Christ. But let it be, above all things, a revolution of love.